How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast was created to highlight the dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community uh, to try and provide a platform for them to tell their story of you know how they got into fishing and where it's brought them to today. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, you can watch it on YouTube at the Ikebra Outdoors channel. Uh, if you're not already, you can watch over there, or you can access the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor app, the Angler app, uh, and many more different podcast applications. Appreciate you guys listening, and enjoy the episode. So in today's podcast, we have on Zach Hall, who is a, a southern boy who uh, is fishes all over the place, but um, he does a lot of things down south, does a lot of fishing up north. Just recently, he's been getting into him pretty good on Lake St. Clair, which we'll talk to him about. Uh, he's a kayak angler. Uh, he does a lot of things outdoors. A big outdoorsman, hunting, fishing. I uh, can't wait to talk to him about it. Um, he's got a pretty cool YouTube channel as well. Uh, I believe it's called Skint Back with Zach. Uh, it's kind of a tongue twister for me. Um, but we're going to talk to him about that, how that started, how he got into fishing. Pretty excited for today's episode. Stay tuned, guys. All right, we are recording. Zach Hall, what is going on, man? Not much. How are you? Doing all right. You said you were uh, you're fishing a little pond, a little pond action before we we got rolling here. How'd you How'd you end up? I caught probably two about ten inch bass. <laughs> we had a good bad cold front come up here in uh, Michigan, so they're not really hot right now. I was surprised to even catch anything, the way it's been uh, cold the past two days. Yeah, better than nothing. Yeah, better than catching the the old Corona. So. Oh yeah. You staying safe though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm staying out away from every other human being on the planet, out in the middle of a lake in my kayak almost every day I can. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So one thing I wanted to bring up before we got into this podcast is obviously you're, you're a southern boy, but you fish in Michigan a bunch. Obviously, recently you've been whacking them out there if people pay attention to your social media. So talk to me a little bit how that works. And you're, you're fishing in Michigan, but you're from Louisiana. You know, you know what, what's, go, what's the whole deal there? Well, I actually moved up here about two years ago. My girlfriend and all her family's from here. So that's kind of what brought me to Michigan. And uh, I've traveled the United States working for the past few years, but I'm trying to get settled here in Michigan with her and my son. And uh, I've had time off with the coronavirus, obviously. So I really started going to Lake St. Clair a lot more. And uh, it's insane. It's uh, I've went probably three other times within the past four years. But these past two weeks, I've been about four times, and it's it's insane. It's how, how far are you from actual Lake St. Clair? Hour and a half. Oh, so that's perfect. Yeah, it's I'll do that every day far. if I got to. <laughs> yeah. For people who, who don't follow him on social media, which, you know, right now, go to the description and click on the link to go follow him. Dude, you have been whacking. Was it, you said 27-pound bag you had on it Lake It was insane. I don't know the exact ounces. But it was well, it was over twenty seven pounds for sure. That's my best bag I've got in the past two weeks. Now is that your best bag ever? Oh, that's my best bag ever. Ever? I was gonna I've say. I've never like, even caught largemouth a twenty five pound plus bag on largemouth. You know. I was gonna say you're a Louisiana boy, so you probably used to big big green ones, not not them brown ones. Yeah. Oh, I'm in love with smallmouth. It's my mind doesn't even think about largemouth as much as it used to. Anywhere up here in the north, if there's smallmouth nearby. I would much rather go catch smallmouth now. It's ridiculous. That seems to be a common trend for uh, a lot of Southerners that I talk to. Is that they always love coming up north to catch the brown ones? I don't. I don't know what it is. It's just. It's ridiculous. And, and you'd think. I mean, catching largemouth in a kayak tournament. Largemouth tend to be a little bit longer, anyways. Once you get yeah. into them. Yeah. So, you'd think I'd want to catch largemouth all the time to try to win some of those tournaments, but no. I'd rather catch smallmouth. <laughs> it's it's a tricky you know we can get that whole strategy thing which we'll, we'll get into in a little bit uh just on you know strategies on in tournaments going for brown fish or green fish but it's it's the north we're, we're so spoiled with that uh you know that some lakes we have that are 50 50 you know or we can go 30 minutes one way and catch a lot of brown but we can go 30 minutes the other way and catch a lot of big big green fish you know we have a it's a nice we can kind of pick and choose what we want up here which is pretty cool. oh yeah yeah, and I'm not used to a bite being this hot when, you know, when the water's like 45 degrees. I'm not used to being able to catch that many fish that are on fire. 
You know what I mean? Is Large your- mouth down south aren't really that hot at 45 degree water. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. <laughs> so it's, a- it's, it's a new avenue for me. Is this your first time up north this time of year, fishing? No, I've uh, about two years ago. We lived in Ohio. I lived in Alaska a couple of years ago. I've been up north quite a bit I was in say, my lifetime. You've been up real north. <laughs> but I've really focused on bass fishing the past year up here, hard. I was gonna say yeah, because about this time, once that water hits over forty, is when things kind of just fire off. Yeah, you know, and this is my so first time really experiencing it up here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm in love with it. Crazy. Yeah, man, this is... Because there's not a lot of people out on the water. Yeah, exactly. Especially now with this whole thing going on. I mean, mean, especially in Michigan now where you're at with this whole anti-motor thing going on, which is a whole other deal we can talk about, which is kind of crazy. Um, But one thing I want to ask is, you know, have you gotten a lot of uh, teasing or like heckling for for your, your southern accent being up north? Uh, every now and then, everybody I know is pretty much used to it. But I walk into a gas station or something, a uh, random place that I haven't been in, and uh, like they they seem to ask me about it, ask me where I'm from, or at least you know. Yeah, I, I had to ask because my buddy who told me he goes, dude, you gotta have this guy on your podcast, uh, Forrest Bucken, who obviously you are you're, you talk to, you're friends with. I always tease him because he's got the the Louisiana accent up here in the north and grew up, and I always mm-hmm. crap that sorry sucker but uh it's it's funny i like to mess with him but i figured i'd give him a quick shout before we we went too deep in today's podcast so before we get any deeper you know you know for everybody watching everybody listening you want to you know tell us how you got into fishing you know who kind of embraced you into it and uh you know a little bit about yourself well i got into fishing uh there was i don't ever remember a time in my life where fishing wasn't in it so i mean my dad and my grandpa got me into fishing after I learned how to walk, I would assume, because there's pictures of me with catfish when I was about two years old. Um, <laughs> my grandpa on my mom's side, or my mom's dad, he uh, she he had a catfish pond on his property, and then my dad's dad had a bass pond on his property, and this property's all joined. So I could go across the field and catch bass, or I could go across the field and catch catfish all growing up. And all, all the neighbors down the road, they all had ponds to fish, too. So it was just, I was always fishing <laughs> ponds every single day whenever I was a kid. If I wasn't at school, I was hitting one of those ponds up. So so in the south, everyone's got a truck, a house, and a pond. It's basically pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. If you got cows, they got a pond somewhere on the property. That's awesome. Now, one thing I noticed, too, is uh, I'm a hunter myself, is that you're pretty into, you're you're a total outdoorsman. You pretty much do just about anything as long as it's outside. Now, is that also started when you're that that age, is the whole hunting side of things? Oh, yeah, for sure. We grew up uh, deer hunting. We grew up hog hunting, too. Of course, there's a lot of hogs in Louisiana. Grew up trapping them. We used to trap them and, uh, of course, try to eradicate them because they've been a problem ever since I was uh, probably about 10 years old. I remember being a problem, and that was back in 2000 and. 10 yes it's quite a long time ago and uh yeah squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting did a lot of that did a lot of duck hunting in my high school years but i got kind of got out of that just because uh i don't know i started working on the road didn't spend a lot of time in louisiana and louisiana is where you want to be for duck hunting i mean it's insane public land duck hunting i've i've probably been out in lacassine duck hunting in south louisiana and limited out more times than i can ever remember not limited out ridiculous the best times of my life duck hunting down there i that's one that's one avenue that i have not ventured into is the whole bird scene of various species i've never gone out and shot birds i mean my brother he's huge into it he loves it he got up this morning uh crack ass a dong to go scouting for turkey and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. uh, correct me if i'm wrong but isn't the whole duck dynasty thing was not originated uh aren't they in louisiana yeah, they're in North Louisiana. They're practically in Arkansas. Arkansas? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's North Louisiana. <laughs> so you're pushing them over the board. That's funny. I, I remember, oh, that was one of my favorite shows. Just like, I barely watch TV anymore, but like, yeah. I, I love to watch just because for the, the comedic part. But I think that's mm-hmm. one thing I took from it is from Louisiana having good duck hunting. So it's, yeah. it's funny how you mentioned that. But It's insane. It's, yeah. And it's, you know, early, early season 
um, fishing up here in New York, you know, when you, you get out, um, kind of when the season kind of overlaps where there's, which we had a weird, a weird winter this year for New York. Um, we didn't really get ice until late January, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I was, uh, as long as they're open water, I'm getting out fishing. And that was one thing that was weird for me because I'm not used to fishing on the kayak this time, that time of year while guys are out, you know, duck hunting and goose hunting, whatever season may be there. I mean, this tells you how much I know about those hunting seasons. I don't even know when they run till. But my buddy texted me, he goes, just be careful. Like, you know, there's certain parts of the lake you like, watch out. And I'm like, what do you mean watch out? And he goes, he goes like, just don't, if you see any like duck blinds, don't go like, you know, you'll stay away from them. And I'm like, oh crap. Like I've never fished this time of year. Like I don't want to get shot while I'm fishing. Like, yeah. That's the last thing I want. Didn't even put it into perspective, but it's just something different. But um, talking about kayak fishing, you know, when did you get into the kayak? When did you kind of realize that could be an avenue for you to go after fish? Well, it was a couple of years ago. I went out fishing with a buddy of mine. Uh, he didn't even have kayaks. His dad had two kayaks, and we borrowed them and fished a local lake. And uh, we had some fun. They weren't exactly the best fishing kayaks, but it was like my first experience actually fishing out of a kayak. And ever since then, I've kind of been skimming the surface uh, watching like kayak bass fishing, watching a lot of Chad Hoover for like the past few years, getting information, really wanting to kind of get into it, but not wanting to spend the money to get a good kayak. Cause I knew I didn't want to get something cheap. I wanted to get something good to start out in that I could just keep for years. Yeah. And, uh, I kept putting off, getting one, putting off, getting one. And I finally found this deal on this kayak like two weeks ago and I just jumped on it, got it. And I've been out fishing in it almost every day and <laughs> i'm just in love with it so for anybody that doesn't know what, what rig are you running right now i got a Perce perception pescador pilot 12th pedal drive it's uh it's nice it's i'm short i'm a smaller guy so me standing up and fishing out of it ain't a problem at all i can do monster hook sets on it and i ain't gonna fall out of it or anything so <laughs> it's it's nice is it is it one that you think is going to be a stepping stone for you, or do you, do you think you're going to be in this one for a while? I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a stepping stone for me for sure because I'm kind of I've been talking a lot to Forrest, and Forrest has kind of almost got me convinced to go with like an open floor plan on my kayak. Yeah. Have a lot more room, stepping room, and I can't I don't have that in this one because the pedal drive is right there. If you stand up, you've got that much to move your feet front and back and there's a hump in the middle yeah not that i'm complaining but i might try to open floor plan for my next kayak for sure yeah yeah the new canoes they, they look really they look really enticing for me uh yeah um i have right now i have a wilderness radar which is pretty similar to the kind of the, the setup you have where i have the pedal drive um you know i'm kind of tight space when it comes to up, being up front maneuverability mm -hmm. is perfect I can get around fast. I can be very, um, I can finesse my way into different things. Um, just storage wise, it's, it's, it does the job right now. But when I see these new canoe setups where you have, you know, you have your, the trolling motor up front, power pole in the back, you know, very wide, comfortable seat, a lot of storage, uh, area, and you can pretty much walk around the front deck, like a boat practically. Yeah. I look at that and I'm like, See that looks that looks nice, but then I see mm -hmm. this new sixty from Hobie, and I'm like, that also looks nice. And then it's like, I don't know, I'm so torn of decisions. Thankfully, my wallet doesn't allow me to get anything now, so I don't have to make those decisions. But um, it's cool with kayak fishing to see how there's so many different products coming out that can reach so many different per like people's skill sets. Or mm -hmm. how, you know, I think the biggest thing is personalization. You can make it what you want, which is oh yeah. It's not like you can go and re-customize a bass boat to the way you want it. You know, you can't design different, you know, just kind of how you rig things. It's, I'm sure you can, but it's a lot harder to do it on a, a big, you know, big rig than you can do on a kayak, you know? Yeah, it's, kayak's more affordable to completely customize like you want it compared to a bass boat, per se. Yeah. Yeah, you can outfit your rig for a much, much cheaper price than yeah. Uh, you know, an eighty thousand dollar boat. So it's, it's it's what's cool about another thing that's cool about kayak fishing that I mentioned on the show multiple times is it reaches such a bigger audience. You know, you don't need to go out and spend you know twenty to 
you know, whatever mass amount of price that you have on a boat to go compete in tournaments or to get out on the water. I mean, you can go spend $200 in a kayak or you can go spend, you know, $8,000, you know, depending on what kind of rig you want to set up. You know, it's so cool the the different range and different um, niches that you, kayak fishing can reach. And they can get so many people out in the water so easy, which is so cool. Yeah. yeah. And, you and really access so much untouched water. To, yeah. You don't need that much money to join tournaments either. I mean, oh, yeah. That's nuts. And online tournaments. That's a huge exactly. thing right now with the coronavirus. Yeah. I'm, like I've been seeing all kind of Facebook groups talking about doing more and more online tournaments because of all this going around. Can't do the live tournaments. And that's going to get more people involved in it too. Yeah. I see charity tournaments popping up everywhere. And right now, um, I think you shared one uh, today, actually. I, I didn't, I glanced through it earlier. I, I shared one. I thought you shared one on your story. Um, I was on Tourney. I can't remember what the one actually is that you shared. But I know I'm in, I'm in Jackson Oars right now. He's got a good one going on. It's got like, geez, I want to say over 140 people in it, which is nice. pretty cool for a national online month month long tournament. Um, there's some big names. Oh, that's the KBF page. monthly. There's a um, I don't know if it's, the, if it's the KBF one, but there's it's just Jackson Orr created a charity tournament. Uh, oh, go and yeah. So he created. I'm still learning yet. about a lot of this kayak fishing tournament stuff, so I'm no expert on that. I'm constantly looking on my phone at Tourney X and researching and all this kind of stuff. So it's a big rabbit hole, but I'm digging it. Yeah, there's so many different, um, you know, online tournaments, you know, you can, um, I've, I've never done it, so I don't know the process, but I'm pretty sure you can go and create whatever tournament you want on there and have it run for however long, have the, the rules, you know, do this and that. Uh, like I said, I, I've never done it, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something I've been looking into doing in the future, trying to creating my own little thing once this, you know, this platform gets a little bit bigger. Um, but you know, there's like the KBF month longs that you can qualify for different events for, depending on how you do. Um, and that's, it goes by, you know, state, by region, by there's some national tournaments you can do. Um, and then obviously there's smaller trails, state trails. Like I can speak for NYKBF, New York's trail that they do. They have month longs that I'm in right now. There's an April month long. So it's, you know, your best five fish for the month of April, but you have to do it within New York public waters. So mm -hmm. it's different stuff like that. Um, I'm in that one right now for Michigan. Yeah, it's like there's so many different things you could do. That's a perfect outlet right now. What's going on is these online tournaments, you know, where you don't need to show up to an award ceremony at the end. You know, you can go mm -hmm. out on your own, solo, on a kayak, go fish, compete for the month, and then you know join a Facebook Live or read a post on you know how you did and read and turn X. Like it's it's the perfect situation for what we're dealing with right now. So, so what, what tournaments are you in right now then? I'm in the KBF monthly for uh, the state of Michigan. Uh, there is a Michigan and Ohio, like both states combined, all public water tournament, uh, 17th, 18th, and 19th of April coming up this weekend. So I'm going to fish that one too. I think that's the one you shared in your story. Yeah. And then there's a lucky go fishing one I've seen advertised on Facebook. I just went click sign up there's like <laughs> almost 200 people in it. it's like nationwide uh i don't know i just want to fish every tournament i can get my get my hands on right now out of this kayak mm -hmm. and try to make a little bit of money maybe but try to make a name for myself or something get some points with kbf and try to go somewhere with that that'd be pretty cool because i'm in sixth right now in the monthly for kbf and if i were to be in the top five I think that uh, I don't know, it gives me a certain amount of points. I was reading about it a while ago. It's kind of confusing. I think uh, if, if you're in a KBF, I could be wrong. I think they, they, may, they may have changed the rules. I'm not sure, so don't quote me on this. Um, for anybody watching or listening, you guys can comment and let us know um, afterwards. <laughs> Obviously, we'll read the comments afterwards if we're wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think in the KBF month long, if you get in the top five, I think that qualifies you, or top five or top ten percent. I think that qualifies you for the national championship. I think so. I I'm pretty sure that's what I read. Yeah. So as long as you stay in top five or top ten percent, man, you can easily qualify yourself for a uh, national championship bid. That's what I want to do. That'd be sweet. Yeah. It's. Uh, I hope we'll that a, that's a live tournament, right? The national championship. Yeah. 
for yeah, the Challenge Series. Yeah. So okay. the national championship is when everybody comes to one body of water and then fishes against each other for, I believe, it's two days. So okay. you take your, your top, your best five day one and best five day two, add those inches up together, and whoever has, obviously, the longest uh, length is going to win. So it's... So this year they were going to do it on Lake Gunnersville. It's I think it's been postponed to beginning of October now. Yeah, I think that's what I read. And so what that happens is everybody will go down to Alabama, to Lake Gunnersville. They will, um, you'll have a bunch of people practicing for the week, and you'll have a bunch of people show up the night before. Um, there's some guys that go after very hard and very competitive, and there's some guys that go down just to fish and a social event. But then so the guys just you know they go at it for two days and. You know, obviously, whoever does the best wins, but uh, it's a pretty cool little thing afterwards because there's so many people there. It's a uh, it's a pretty cool community event. From from I've had uh, buddies and friends go down and compete, and uh, it just sounds like a pretty good time. So that's a good one there. Um, and there's some other big ones like Bass Nation starting this year. Hopefully, this virus goes away so yeah, they can actually, cool. you know, set in place their inaugural season. Yeah. And then Hobie BOS is. In my mind, the epitome as of right now for tournament uh, kayak bass fishing, just because it, it draws you know the, the big like, the most talented of each region. Um, mm-hmm. So it's in my mind, that's better, uh, better payouts too. Exactly, because you know, important. You're trying to keep doing bucks, it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's two hundred thirty-five bucks for an entry fee. So it's you know you mean better mean business when you're when you're going yeah. into in those, but that's worth it. So, dude, let me ask you, because you also have a, a YouTube channel. Um, I think you're doing pretty well. You got, like, 1.6, I think, I recall. Yeah, like 1,600. Yeah. Which is That's surprising, all. because I don't post a lot on there at all. <laughs> People must, must love watching you fish, man. But, well, uh, I've been on there for, like, three years, so I think it's just a three-year span of acquiring that many followers which isn't really that great i guess <laughs> man now you're just rubbing it in i've had mine for like four years and i'm at 470 something <laughs> but i just started recently consistently posting in like january but uh, that's the most important thing they say the yeah, more you can post the better yeah so what kind of what sparked that what kind what made you realize you want to go film and then post to youtube well i mean ever since i was a little kid i've always wanted my own hunting and fishing show and I got old enough to where I could make my own money and get my own camera gear and realized, well, you know, we got YouTube. I got my own camera gear. I can have my own hunting and fishing show on YouTube. Of course, I'm not going to make a lot of money, but I, I did that uh, many years ago. But I had a buddy who had a hunting show on the Pursuit Channel, and I did some field producing for him for like a year, pretty much just running a camera, traveling the country with him, fishing and hunting and stuff like that. So I got some camera knowledge from him doing that. I kind of applied that to my YouTube videos within the past two years or so. So that's why I kind of, some of the videos kind of look like I know what I'm doing <laughs> with a camera <laughs> and some of them don't. So yeah, it was, it's uh, about two years ago whenever I started actually trying to film more professionally on it. But then I just slacked right off. <laughs> <laughs> like the past few videos, I think I filmed the intro with my phone and the rest is GoPro footage. So. It, it, man you don't need that's what that's what the beauty of it is though is you don't need anything crazy you don't need the best equipment to make a good video where people want to watch oh, no. i mean i'll take i'll make a quick shout out i mean you probably watched him uh greg blanchard uh he's a guy who's recently yes. local to us here in new york that started out in new york fishing uh do he films everything from his phone or from a gopro and that mm-hmm. is it and look, look i think he's like over sixty thousand. So, like, I mean, you don't need much. What's so cool about it? I mean, you just, yeah. For, I, there's a lot of people who come on here that say, like, yeah, I want to start a YouTube, or people uh, that'll message me over Instagram, yeah, I want to start YouTube, stuff like that, but I don't know if I have the greatest stuff to do it. I'm like, just start with putting a GoPro on your rig and click and record and just let it run. Like, yeah. that's all you need to do to start, which is so cool about it. And people want to see it. And that's what's yeah. awesome about it. So. I just really love the filmmaking aspect of it. It's like when I'm out there and I'm just laying into big smallmouth like I was the other day, I'm like, man, I wish I had my big camera with me or I had somebody to get these kind of shots or something like that. Like That's always going through my head, getting cool shots. But I apply that more when I'm hunting than I do fishing because I'm always running and gunning when it comes to fishing. 
when yeah. it comes to hunting like turkey hunting and stuff i can sit down i can zoom out that lens and manually focus it and get all these cool shots of leaves and stuff it's a lot slower pace when i'm hunting so i, I can actually do the filmmaking stuff i really do like getting those cool shots it's the pretty, b-roll pretty the, the, cinema, the cinematic aspects that come into yeah okay i really really like getting that kind of stuff when i can you know yeah so did you film when you're out on st Clair? yeah i filmed well, I, with my gopro the whole time that Sweet. uh most recent video that i posted was uh my last trip out that's awesome I can't, I'm gonna have to go back and, and watch that. That's that's gonna be pretty sweet. But it, I need so, to record my weights next time. That way I get like more proof, more proof of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when yeah. I hold the fish up, it's just a big old fish, and it's like I don't know. I, I'm not really giving exact weights. It's like I I know for sure that's over five. It's like oh my god. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. And, and this time of year, those smallmouth can be deceiving, man. Yeah. Very deceiving. Like my buddy caught. Um, so this past week, I posted, uh, I posted part two actually today, uh, my Cayuga Lake Smash Fest. Uh, oh yeah, I watched that one. And uh, so I caught one in a video today that was seventeen and a half inches, and it was four six I think, which is just ridiculous. And then yeah. the day after that, so this the day after that, I went out with my buddy on his boat. So that that video is posted Thursday. Um, he caught a, oh gosh. I think it was 18 and a quarter, and it was over five. And I'm like, this is just, like, you just, they're ridiculous with their bellies, man. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll, sh- I'll send you a photo after this. I have a picture of one where it's just literally that 17-incher. Like, the fish is here, it's, and it's wider than it is long. Like, I, I caught one with my buddy that, that same day, 17 and a half inches and 15 inches around. Like, it's it, nuts. It's just, it's a big... their, bellies, their bellies are just so big, which is yeah. just crazy. But uh, it's... It's the perfect time of year to be in the north right now. So oh, when everything's yeah. up, and I think it's safe to say you're hooked. That you're you're going to be in the north this time of year for the next coming yeah. years. Yeah, I don't ever want to miss out on this smallmouth bite because when you do see people out there fishing, they're trying to fish for walleye out here, out around here, anyways. Yeah, they're all trying to get on that walleye bite and stuff like that. I I, I seen one other guy. Well, it's kind of funny. I seen one other guy when I was out there in my kayak one day. And it was the guy in first place in the KBF monthly. <laughs> I'm over here. He's over, He pulls up and he starts talking to me and I'm rattling off. I'm like, yeah, dude, I just caught like five fish over five pounds right here. I got like 102 inches on the KBF monthly tournament, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, I'm giving this guy way too much information, talking too much. And I was like, uh, you in the KBF monthly? He was like, yeah, man, I'm in first place. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I was like going on what was under the surface and how deep the water was, what I was using. I'm like, I mean, it's not like it's a huge secret, but yeah, I want to try to win this thing too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was just so excited, and uh, yeah, because he was hitting up my other juicy spot. He said he caught one about 21 inches over there. I was, haven't seen anybody out there the whole time I've been fishing those, these spots, and he showed up. But he seemed like a cool dude. Yeah, and that's what's, you know, another thing, and you, you said you're trying to dwell into kayak more, uh, the kayak, you know, tournament scene. And that's what's so cool about it is the community that we have, you know, there's still some, you know, you know, competitiveness, and there's, you know, the grit that we have, you know, guys going out at, you know, buck crack of dawn, you know, 5 a.m., still pitch black, just to get up to their spots, and mm-hmm. so the competitiveness and the dedication is there, but, you know, off the water, people are, for the most part, willing to help each other out, and, you know. Oh, Yeah. And people aren't going to, you For know, sure. they're not going to, I'm not saying they're going to go and send you waypoints of where they exactly they caught them, but like, they're still willing to help you and try to, you know, make, you know, the experience better for you out in the water to help you kind of become a better angler, which is pretty cool about it. So that's yeah. what I love. And, you know, you really don't see that too often, unfortunately. The guy I bought this kayak from, I actually still keep in touch with him. And uh, he's, he fishes some of these KBF tournaments too, but he actually hooked me up with another guy. Uh, that told me I need to keep in contact with to go fishing with. And he let me use a measuring board because my measuring board didn't come in the mail yet. It was delayed because of all this coronavirus stuff. He let me use that measuring board. And the next day is whenever I went and jumped all the way up and forth on that KBF monthly. Yeah. So that, that was pretty cool. You know, I wouldn't have been able to go out there and catch some fish that day if I didn't have that board that he let me borrow. So that was pretty cool of him. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Met some cool people. I'm two weeks in it and I already met two great dudes. You know. Yeah, there is a whole. I mean, it's it's endless, which is which is pretty awesome about it. But what board did you end up getting? You said you ordered one. I just got a hog trough. Hog trough. Yeah, I need to get a catch board because the Hobie. From my research, the Hobie events uh, require a catch board. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that's tough, and uh, you know, because the whole this I don't know if you saw why that they changed to only catch is because catch is obviously more of a I don't want to I don't want to say it's not more rigid isn't durable but it's a I think it's a metal board so it's um, more of a built up board because the hog trough you can bend and apparently if you bend it down yeah apparently what you can do is get another quarter of an inch or something out of it apparently yeah. bend it forward or bend it down I'm not well, sure. I- I ordered that one with dowel rods. That way it wouldn't bend. Yeah. And that way, if anybody ever questioned me, I can show them, I guess. I don't know. It makes it stiffer. Yeah. I guess the rule is now with the Hobie BOS series, you have to have a catch board. Yeah, that's what I read. Which is one thing I, I struggle with because I like the catch boards, but at the same time, I don't like the colorways that they have because when it's a sunny day, it's hard to see those inch marks and the numbers which make it tough to score and you get dq'd fish out of it i wish they would make boards and they they might now i could be entirely wrong so if people are listening call me out on it but i don't think that they make colorways where the lettering and the the marks are black where you can actually see them when it's sunny because i've seen a lot of pictures of guys saying they're getting dq'd because they can't see that the directors whoever's scoring the fish can't see you know the the markers because they're white and the sun illuminates them and it, you just see glare. That's all you see. You don't see anything yeah, else. That it's, makes sense. Yeah. So it's that's a big mistake people do. And then there's like people put, you know, I see you have a tourney tag on there and people put that over the the inch, the the number where by the by the tail where because they move it closer by the tail so they can be in the picture, but they mm-hmm. put it over the number so you don't know what number inches it is. They'll submit oh. it and you're like, crap. Yeah, it's stuff like that. But yeah, I might have to remember it, that. How is it I'm already... adjusting to the different rules and such on the whole kayak scene? Uh, well, I've already been been penalized twice. One <laughs> one fish got cold, so I'm not even worried about it. But another one, it was uh, 21 and three quarter inches long. Oh no! And I got an inch taken off because his mouth was open more than a quarter of an inch. Oh, so yeah. I should be in like fourth right now, fourth or fifth right now but Crazy. i got that penalty on a giant fish actually so, so wait, what's the penalty for one it well if his mouth is open more than a quarter of an inch according to the judge whenever they zoom in really? uh they dock you an inch which you- all of those big small mouth that i caught last week it was there wasn't anything i could do to get them to close their mouth anytime i touch the fish they flex their gills open their mouth i put the board at an angle to try to let the weight of the fish push their mouth closed legally still and everything and dude these fish were just so big they were flexing their gills and opening their mouth and it was i had to wait like a good 30 seconds or so so i'm freaking out the clock's ticking i don't like keeping big fish out of the water you know yeah and uh i I just had to sacrifice two of them and take a picture whenever their mouth looked you know looked like it was closed as much as it would and i got docked on that one so it's it's a it's so tough because like especially smallmouth because they're just they seem to be more like you know for lack for better terms on crack than largemouth and you know it's i know exactly what you're talking about where they the flare of the gills they do like a their mouth is just like a little pop when you try to put their when you try yeah. to keep the mouth closed on it um it's so tough because you don't want to put pressure on the fish and, and then obviously hurt them because they have internal organs and stuff and you don't want to push on them because that's one of the only ways you can really get them to keep their mouth closed Mm-hmm. And it's and people will say and they'll argue you know put the fish you know on a donkey leash or back in the net in the water and then put them back on. And while yes, I agree you should obviously not keep them out of the water for so long. I'm totally an advocate for not you know for being the most painless you can for the fish. First of all, the donkey leash I never used it, so again don't quote me. But in my mind, I don't see. Catching, like in your case, catching a 21 inch and 21 and three quarter inch smallmouth giant, putting it on a small clip on a leash and trusting it in the water to not thrash and get, you know, let loose with that donkey leash. I just don't, I'm sure it works, 
But in my mind, I am super paranoid. I don't want that yeah. fish to get away. And then if I use a net to keep it alive, you know, I feel like if it's in that water, you're just rejuvenating it so it can go even crazier. You know, yeah. I just, it's, it's such yeah. a tough process, which is why it, it, it elevates the, the challenge that you have with kayak fishing. And it's so tough because, like, we're advocates for these fish, but at the same time, you know, we just want you to sit still and take a little pretty picture for us real quick before we put you back. You know, it's... Yeah, you can grab them by the side out of the water and lift them up, and they're just, they won't even move. But then you <laughs> set them back down on the board, and they're just flexing and acting all crazy. It, yeah. I, I got to experience that for the first time, what, about two weeks ago, my first trip to Lake St. Clair. This week, I don't have a net, by the way. I've, I've been doing this all this without a net. I gotta get me a freaking net. I've lost like two fish over six pounds because I get didn't a have rubber, a freaking net. Whatever you do, get a rubber net. Whatever you do. Oh yeah, it's better for the fish. Well, that and you won't go 15, 20 minutes of trying to get your lures out of out of the oh, net. Oh yeah, yeah, that too for sure. <laughs> uh, oh man, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, you're talking about you lost like six pounders or something. Yeah, I, was too, I forget what I was going on. I, was, uh, I had a point I was going to make. <laughs> I don't know. See, that's why I, I keep that regardless. Where I can write down my ideas. You know, I thought about that, but then I was like, well, I'm just following your lead on this one. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lay it back, like I said, yeah. But So for 2020, you know, virus willing, you know, do you have any plans why, either for the YouTube side or for – Obviously, the, the kayak tournaments. Do you have any big plans for 2020? Definitely for the kayak tournaments. Uh, I'm still signed up in all the BFLs in the state of Michigan as a co-angler in the FLW. So I'm going to do that. Uh, try to win a little money on that and just get more experience. Um, YouTube, yeah. I'm going to be – turkey season opens up this weekend here. So I'm going to be filming some turkey hunting in with smallmouth fishing. Depends on how the fish are biting. <laughs> It's it's like a crucial time that I want to catch these fish when they're pre-spawn when they're huge because that, that's it's so much funner catching them when they're huge huge yeah and then try to maximize or try to capitalize on all that and then switch over to turkey season so I don't know does, it depends yeah when so when does turkey season start for you starts the 18th here April 18th 18th okay I think it starts May 1st I think it starts May 1st in New York so yeah. two weeks two weeks i think something like that but it's people take it pretty pretty serious it's pretty big here i don't know what is it like in Michigan? oh i love it it's it's popular around here these turkeys are everywhere it's nuts so is uh is hunting better now that you're better now that you're in michigan or was it better back in louisiana mm, there's a lot more deer up here and there's a lot more turkeys around here down south where i grew up uh we used to have a lot of turkeys when i was younger and the wild hogs, of course, they, their numbers just kept growing. And uh, turkeys are ground-dwelling birds when they're nesting, you know what I mean? Whenever they're sitting on their eggs and stuff, well, hogs will come through and just decimate all those eggs. Like, I remember seeing 30 to 40 turkeys in the field at a time, and that was the norm. And once the hogs moved in, I haven't seen turkeys out there since. I haven't seen turkeys out there on that specific property in probably like seven, eight years. Jeez. Hogs just came in and wiped them out, so... There's good hog hunting there now, but turkey turkey hunting just went downhill in that specific area that I hunted. So are the hogs actually killing the turkeys, or are they just running them out of their home areas? Oh, they just they push through and they root, and they come across turkey eggs in a nest on the ground, and they'll just they'll eat them. I mean, they'll break them apart and all kind of stuff. Hmm. Hogs will eat anything they can get their hands on, or you know, get their get their mouth on. <laughs> So they're no, just a dead animal in the woods if the opportunity presents itself. Huh. So they don't they won't pursue an animal and hunt it and kill it, but they they will scavenge. Huh. You know, they've been known to eat meat. So they're just pretty much oppor like opportunistic, I think is the word opportunist opportunistic. Okay. Oh yeah. Opportunistic feeder too, like a bass. <laughs> yeah. There's mass yeah. reproducing just junk. Oh, yeah. Feeding on anything. When a sow gets like six months old, she can give birth to piglets and she could have like six to 12 piglets roughly at a time. Say three of those are sows in six months. They're going to all have piglets, too. And 
it's just a never-ending cycle. Like, they reproduce crazy. And that's low numbers on the spectrum, you know what I mean? <laughs> the way they can reproduce is insane. I've seen they made charters now where guys can go on, like, helicopters with, you know, and, like, ARs and stuff and just lay the lumber to big, I don't know what, yeah. you, call them, what do you call them, groups or... Well, I mean, a group of hogs herds? is called a sounder. Sounder? Okay. It's called a sounder. But it, you can call it a herd or a group. It all means the same thing, practically. Yeah. Polit- political term would be sounder, I guess. Sounders. That's what needs to be done, though. Like They don't even call it hunting. They just call it eradicating. Yeah, I think the best part is on social media, watching all the people go, no, you can't kill all these pigs and, so, and all this. Like, do you understand what they're doing? Like... It's, I mean, they're yeah, they, this mass killing just for nothing. They're, they're they doing tear up so much farmland. They root up cow pastures and make it hard for cows to walk across the pasture. Cows roll ankles and horses roll ankles, stuff like that, if they root deep enough. But And they tear up crops and actually eat stuff. Cost farmers a lot of money. It's uh, They do a lot. A lot of damage. And root, they'll root up your yard. If you have a nice yard and hog comes through, your yard's ruined. So when you and say root, like, what do you mean? What are they doing? They they're... put their nose to the ground and they excavate little trenches as they walk forward, search around for roots, and they'll eat grubs. Huh. Did not root, know root systems, uh, grubs, all kind of stuff like that. Interesting. I had no idea. This is, t- this is turning into a hunting podcast. Yeah, we're forgetting about the yeah. fishing. <laughs> they're really good eating. They are really good eating. People think they're nasty. But you got to think, a domestic pig is raised in a pen where, that it poops in its whole life. And wild hogs run wild in the woods, eating all kind of natural stuff. They're a lot better eating than people think they are. But back to the fishing. I can imagine, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean. I could go uh, on all day about yeah. that. Yeah, that's, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so if you could, because you, obviously you fish the south then, you fish the north. If you had to choose, you know, what if you could only fish the north or the south, you know, which would you pick? Hmm. Probably the north, because of small mouth and large mouth. Because <laughs> you got the best of both worlds up here. There's giant, there's uh eight pound bass in this pond right here. Good, I've, good. I've been out here three separate times last year and caught two five pounders on three separate trips out of this pond. Large mouth. It's good. There's good fishing up north. I mean, yeah. And even the largemouth, they get turned on at a colder temperature than largemouth down south. All these fish up here are conditioned for it, you know? Yeah. It's it's neat. You just got to deal with some cold weather every now and then. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the really, the only month that's really, I guess you could call tough fishing is probably August. And that's when things get super hot, just kind of somewhat similar to down south you know when you know the dog days what you know what they call them and everything like that yeah. where it gets pretty tough um but one thing that's cool about up here is you know at that point in time when things get tough in the day people stop well i shouldn't say people because not many people do it but you go night fishing instead and that turns them on because it drops that water temp a couple degrees and they just go nuts yeah which is pretty cool they all move up shallow to feed in the bait fish and you're just throwing top waters all night and you're not you know you're not seeing any bites but you're feeling and hearing them which is pretty cool uh yeah. so the north is we, we're pretty spoiled when it comes to the outdoors for sure but you know it's it's different things like that that kind of make it interesting yeah uh, so now that you're in the north and obviously i'm i'm sure i know the answer to this already but i gotta ask you know what what lake is your your favorite what's your favorite body of water Lake St. Clair. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I figured I knew the answer to that. But uh, when it comes to the north, like, what body of water most intrigues you, I guess? You know, what have you not tried before that you do want to get out and try? Lake Erie. Lake Erie? Yeah. I Very haven't sad. even thrown a lure out there, but I really want to because I know there's giant smallmouth in there just like Lake St. Clair. Oh, yeah. Different factors come into play. Lake St. Clair is a little pond compared to Lake Erie. You know what I mean? So yeah. I want to figure that out one day by myself. Make a make a weekend trip down there or something. Oh, 100 percent. Now I've never been on Lake St. Clair. I was supposed to go actually this weekend. Uh, like, actually, was it this weekend? What is the date? Today's the 14th, right? Let's see, 14. Mm-hmm. 
So this past weekend, the 11th and 12th, I was supposed to be on St. Clair uh, with Ben Nowak. We were supposed to plan, uh, plan a trip. But of that course, name sounds whole, familiar. Who's that? The uh, YouTuber? <laughs> the the Smallmouth Experience is, is his YouTube name now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. know who that is. So we were supposed to link up and go fish St. Clair this past weekend. But, of course, because the virus thing, we didn't end up doing that. But yeah. um, So my, I'm curious. Can you see across St. Clair? Yes. You can see across it? Like you can see land across? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the farthest point, probably not. But for the most part, you can relatively... But yes, you can definitely see parts of Canada. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. I was always curious because, like, I, uh, I'm 30 minutes from Ontario, an hour and 10 roughly from Lake Erie, and obviously those are, like, freshwater oceans to us, you know, so it's they're just massive amounts of area to cover. Yeah. Um, but Erie is, like, nonstop, like, you can easily run into 30, 40 fish days, even more than that, you know, run into bigs, you can run into, you know, 28-plus pound bags with smallmouth. Mm. Lake Ontario, from what I've actually, I'm ashamed, you know, I've lived 30 minutes away, but I've never fished it, as I've heard it has less numbers, but bigger fish. So I don't, I don't know if that's confirmed, but that's what pretty much the general consensus is, which is pretty interesting, that you can yeah. run out to some 30-pound bags out on Lake Ontario, a smallmouth. But, uh, okay. yeah, it's pretty interesting. But so we've been going for about 45 minutes now, and I've been questioning about everything from hunting to fishing and everything. But uh, before, before we end uh, end up and wrap up here with my little fun question segment, uh, where can people find you on social media? And then uh, is there anybody you want to shout out, any pro staff, anything like that? Uh, my Instagram is uh, at Zach B. Hall, Z-A-C-K-B-H-A-L-L. Uh, my YouTube is Skint Back with Zach. That's really the only two major outlets i use i do some tiktok stuff every now and then but we won't go down that road <laughs> i don't dance or nothing uh and i'm not sponsored by anybody at all uh yeah i mean i, I want to make a legitimate showing make a name for myself and then try to get with companies that i actually like um Respect that. yeah that's pretty pretty much it i guess cool sweet before we get to that last question segment too i forgot i, I was going to ask you about this um so you said you joined BFLs as a co-angler. So which yes. tournaments do you intend on competing in? There's a few on – there's one in Burt, Burt Lake up north. Um, there's two on St. Clair, I believe. I think there's one on Detroit River. Four, four or five of them. Could be oh. wrong. I'm, I've signed up for all of them. I just forget exactly which dates and if there's another Detroit River. So but what, what four is, for sure. Okay. So what's the goal in mind? What what's what are you looking to achieve? Are you looking to eventually become a boater, or are you just kind of experiencing the co-angler side, or just do it for fun? Or what's the what's the gig? I would well, you know, I'm loving the kayak fishing, but I think everybody's dream, everybody's in game bass fishing would be to go to the Bassmaster Classic. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> so okay. I would like to see myself fishing out of a boat one day. Uh, since there's no uh, Forkwood Cup anymore, you know, I mean, Bassmaster Classic is the main event. I would like to fish that one day. I would like to make it there one day, at least. I like it. See what co does for me, but I'm not going to stop kayak fishing. I mean, none of those dates get in the way of each other on any events, so it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, uh, be pretty cool to see, and uh, it's... I've heard some interesting stories of being a co-angler. All I know is, you know. I've got some. <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you done it in the past? Yeah, last year. I went to, it's it's a long story, but it was Lake Champlain. Well, I went to St. Clair and Champlain last okay. year as well, a I mean, co-angler. If, if you'd like to share, if it's something you want to share, the, the floor is yours. We could probably save that for another time because the <laughs> Champlain one is probably going to be a long story, longer story. I don't know. Okay, we'll have to have out. We'll have to have a part two. Once this <laughs> That's whole, cool. This whole thing blows over. We'll have you back on, and hopefully by then you'll be competing in some tournaments, and we'll we'll get you on here talk about those, and then we'll have to do a co-angler story segment. We can even do a panel. I've had some co-anglers on here. We could do a uh, 
a inter- you know the, the the life of a co-angler is what the panel could be for us. Yeah, pretty cool. But uh, so we'll uh, we'll transition into this last segment here. I have two questions I like to ask everybody. Um, are you prepared? Are you ready? I wrecked them. <laughs> okay, so I know you mentioned you've 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 listened to the podcast before. I don't know if you know the last two questions I like to ask everybody. So question number one is if you could invite any three people to dinner to sit down and, and pick their brain, who would they be and why? They could be past or present. And they do not have to be the fishing industry. Well, I don't watch any sports, so <laughs> it's probably all going to be fishing. Uh, Gerald Swindle. Okay. Because he's just the man with the jig. Uh, he seems like a really cool dude. Yeah. Brandon Polinick, for sure. Prodigy. Um, he's, I mean, he's the swim bait king in my eyes. Okay. Oh my God. That was a humongous fish that just jumped out there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and number three, uh, probably have to be Roland Martin. Okay. And I would just get him to bring his son with him. <laughs> but no i would just like to talk to all of them about fishing all right i like so I've that martin before and he was awesome he was cool yeah polinick he's the man actually i have a uh, podcast coming up here soon with uh i don't know do you watch polinick's uh youtube channel yes uh his cameraman kyle vanderveer uh is coming on which is pretty oh cool. yeah he seems pretty cool yeah so it's a very it, inspiring individual. By the time this airs, Kyle's podcast will already be out for people. Oh, to nice. Hear. Yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty cool one. We get to talk about how him and Brandon actually went to high school together. And then how Brandon, oh, he's like, hey, man, you want to you know, come film for me? You know, I'll, I'll, let, I'll leave it for the podcast. I'm going to make you wait until the podcast airs to learn about that stuff. But yeah. um, it's, uh, it's a good one for sure. But I like that three, Swindle, Polinick, Roland. With a uh, guest appearance from Scott, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Gerald for the for the wisdom of the jig, Polinick just because he's got such an inspiring story and he makes you feel like, man, I can actually do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. His backstory, and uh, Roland just because I want to talk to him again. Again, <laughs> what, was, yeah. what was the first time you talked to Roland? They had. It was like a it was a boat store that they opened in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and they had him come in for like a special appearance to try to draw more people in to come check out the grand opening of this place and uh i heard he was going to be there and me and my buddy nathan just drove up there just to meet him and there was some people looking at boats there and stuff and he was pretty freed up and me and my buddy nathan ended up talking to like an hour and a half or talking to him for like an hour and a half just fishing and he was just so interested in talking to us and i don't know it was an awesome experience you know what i mean yeah not how i pictured it going i didn't imagine having that much time with him talking like that and he was just dumping all kind of fishing knowledge on us and we were trading fishing stories it was awesome it was so cool this is like us as kids and we, we grew up watching these guys and we view them like a lot of people view you know guys in the nhl and the nfl and stuff like that these big time athletes celebrities mm-hmm. like, and i'm not saying that guys in those industries those leagues aren't genuine down-to-earth guys but when it comes to the anglers it's like they're they're the same as you. They're just they just got a little. I mean, most of them just have a little bit more talent than you do. And only I mean, they, if they want to talk fishing, they'll talk fishing. And they're just they're just like one of your buddies or a guy you meet at the ramp that just wants to share stories, you know, share tips and just just shoot the shit about fishing, which is so yeah. cool. You know, there's they're not like the guys that you know they're they're getting paid to do. They're not getting paid to talk to you. They're they're not paid to talk. And I'm sure they're paid to talk to media and stuff like that. But like. They're doing it because they're genuinely interested, not because they have to from some contractual agreement, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. So it makes it all the better for us as you know, people watching the sport, which is pretty cool. Which is one thing I am dying, dude. Like when I'm working throughout the day and I don't have Bassmaster Live or MLF Live or whatever is live to watch throughout the day, I'm dying. I'm like going, th- I've already seen all the ones in the archive for Bassmaster and stuff like that. Yeah. Trying to fish through something I possibly missed. I'm, I'm getting mad because I don't have anything to watch throughout the day. It's YouTube that's keeping me going. 
So post more of St. Clair vids so I can be more occupied and distracted while working with today. It's I should have another good one coming <laughs> soon because it's doing like a this lake is doing a complete reset, doing the same thing it was doing like a week and a half ago. So I'm gonna catch it after this front rolls through and I should slam them again. Fingers right. crossed. <laughs> we there you go, see. man. All right. Sweet. So so last question for you, and this is what we'll wrap up today's podcast with is plain and simple, your favorite fishing memory. My favorite fishing memory. Hmm. Probably my first big bass I caught when I was in high school. Yeah, it was like February 7th. I remember that to the day. Okay. Me and my buddy were fishing during a thunderstorm at this pond that we got permission to fish. And I flipped a jig by a stump and caught a 7-Eleven. And it was nuts. We were just freaking out. It was like our first big fish. First big bass, me and him both like saw up close. It was pretty cool. We were young. We were we're probably like ninth grade or something. We're just in high school ish. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it was like thunderstorm and pressure was dropping, and we just knew the fish were going to be biting. Because we learned from the pros. Nuts. You're nuts, <laughs> man. <laughs> Fishing in a thunderstorm, I'd be scared. I'd be Not so a big scared. one. Especially with kayaks, too, dude. Like thunderstorms, you're, you know, you're going around with six, seven rods, eight rods. All sitting straight up in the back, and you know you're a you're a freaking lightning rod waiting to be you know just moving around the lake. You're waiting to get hit. Just yeah, scared. I'm trying to avoid rough water in that thing. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. So, uh, man, I just want to say thank you uh, for taking the time to come on here and talk to me in your truck for an hour. I appreciate. Oh, thanks for having me. That's my first podcast ever done. So. That's pretty cool. That's, I, I can tell you, you know, the way the way you're going, it's not going to be the last. And uh, I'm excited that you're so new into this kayak deal. And uh, I'm pretty excited to see where you're going to go with it. And I hope this virus thing blows over so you can start taking the, the nation tournaments by storm. Um, oh, yeah. I can't wait to see. travel and do it. Uh, just, if you can ever make it to New York, man, come come over and uh, we'll link oh, you up. that'd be sweet. Forrest and myself. And we'll go, we'll go whack them in a whole bunch of different places. And we'll show you some honey holes in New York and... It's going to be, it'll be a blast, but hopefully this all blows over. Hopefully uh, you stay safe, stay healthy for uh, the you time forward. And uh, we'll, we'll have you on for part two, 100%. That'd be cool. <laughs> all right, man. We take care. All right. You too. See you later. Later. So I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast with Zach. Uh, it was an awesome time getting to get to know him. I uh, get to learn his backstory, what he does now, what he enjoys talking about fishing, talking about hunting, uh, learning about his passion for smallmouth. Um, I wish him a lot of luck moving forward uh, with the BFLs, hopefully with this virus. Hopefully it's gone soon. Hopefully we can all get back to life as we knew it before. Um, I know it's high hopes, but I hope Zach can get to, you know, taking over these these kayak tournaments. He's a very good angler, very talented angler. So I hope he can go fish those, fish the BFLs, which he already signed up for. Um, I, I see a lot of potential in this guy for moving forward in the fishing industry. You know, he's... He's got the passion for it. It's evident. Um, there, there's a lot to come for Zach. And if you're not already, go follow him on social media. It's all linked down below. Um, go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Hopefully he's posting on that. Stays more up to date uh, so we can all watch his adventures. I'm excited for it. I enjoy watching his content. Uh, like I said, go follow him. He's a great dude. Can't wait to have him back on here. And uh, if you're not already, subscribe to the Iper Outdoors YouTube channel. You can find the podcast on Spotify on Apple Podcasts, the Anchor app, the Angler app, pretty much any podcast application out there you can find us on. Thank you guys again for watching and for listening, and we will see you next time. Hey, guys. I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys. And also helps me, you know, pay the bills, which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler podcast, and we'll see you guys next time. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. 
So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.